the thing about the engineering space is that they interview you on something like unrelated to like probably your day to day, which sucks because it's a huge disadvantage for a lot of individuals trying to get into the space because they'll grow you on algorithms and data structures and give you a very difficult problem to solve, but you probably won't ever have to do it like on a daily basis. Welcome to the Early Career Moves Podcast, the show that highlights remarkable BIPOC young professionals killing it on their career journeys. I'm your host, Priscilla Esquivel-Bolcha, Latinx career coach, corporate consultant, daughter of immigrants, and lover of breakfast tacos. Meet me for a coffee chat every Friday as we either dive into a special guest story or I'll share my own career gems. If you're a BIPOC professional feeling lost in your career or just need a dose of inspiration, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Early Career Moves podcast. Today, we have a really special guest, Noel Mendoza, a Los Angeles native. He comes from a family of immigrants from Mexico. And Noel is amazing. His story was so inspirational. This episode is longer than my normal episodes, but that's because I really believed that he offered so much value in his story, telling us how he pivoted from basically being someone who was not a computer science major at all, didn't have any background in coding until his very late 20s, and when he found himself feeling very lost in his career. And it wasn't until that point that he finally made the commitment and the decision to try to become a non-traditional software engineer and he went on a whole journey to do that which he was he's been very successful and he tells you exactly what it took for him to get there the audio isn't always the best in this episode so apologies but trust me if you listen closely listen carefully and you're someone who's seeking to make this transition and make this happen take the time to really listen take apart his journey because it's going to be very real talk it's been really incredible to see his journey and he he doesn't hold back he keeps it super honest um he tells us about a painful part in his career that was truly a wake-up call and so yeah let's let's dive in can't wait to hear what you think of this episode hey before we head into today's episode i want to encourage you to follow us on instagram at ecm podcast also head over to ecmpodcast.com where you can get freebies read the latest ECM blog post, and sign up for our monthly newsletter. And if you or someone you know is looking for one-on-one career coaching, you can sign up to work with me on my website. Lastly, if you're a big fan and supporter of the show, please make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's how we can reach other people. Okay, let's head into the show. I'm really excited to have Noel Mendoza on today's episode. I want to hear about your you know, career path and what has led you to now be at Microsoft, pivoting into software engineering. Why don't we start first by hearing a little bit about who are you? Where are you from? What's your background? Just give us a little context. Yeah. So originally born and raised in Los Angeles in pretty much in like the Southeast area of LA is where I lived in a city called Bell. But I went to school in South Central at a school called Verbum Day. And I, when I was deciding on what was next in terms of like where I wanted to go to school, I, I definitely wanted to leave California. I, I definitely wanted to have a, a different experience. So when I was looking at schools, I was mainly targeting just schools on the East Coast more than anything. And I ended up 
coming down to Duke and Georgetown at one point, and I went to visit both. And it wasn't necessarily that I, I wanted to like focus on certain career path because even as a senior, I had no idea what I wanted to do in high school. Yeah, and I just wanted to get a well-rounded education. So when it came down to it, it just decided between the two schools. I I kind of just went with what felt right. And when I was at Georgetown, it was just like a different world and a different experience. And I had no idea a school like that existed. And it's just stuff like that, like you've seen in the movie. I, I decided to go to Georgetown and mainly because of the me feeling, but I also got into a very unique school within Georgetown called the School of Foreign Service. So I got into the SFS in a very prestigious school where like sons and daughters of uh, diplomats and all kinds of very important people in government were accepted to. So that was another reason why I leaned it towards Georgetown. But yeah, that's kind of what happened in terms of me moving to, to DC for four years. My parents are of Mexican, or both born in Mexico, first generation. I have a older brother, Kevin, who went to UC Berkeley. They started, they, my brother stayed in California, and that's probably one of the reasons why I wanted to shift to, to the East Coast. And then my sister, actually, who's younger than all of us, Isabeth Mendoza, also decided to go to UC Berkeley, ironically. But yeah, that's us, three of us. And I think right now, actually, my dad still lives in Mexico, and then my mom uh, lives in East LA, so we're all over the place. As a senior, I ended up applying to Teach for America because... I graduated Georgetown. I was like, I'm, I'm down to do Teach for America. Like, I'm willing to pay it forward and give back to my community. But the only way I'll do it would be if I get placed in LA. So that's one of the, the main things I told them when mm-hmm. they were considering me. And yeah, they did place me in LA when I did that. And I felt like through Teach for America, I would have, uh, one, obviously get got the experience and just felt like it was a good way to take time to really like step back and figure out what was next for me. And I felt like two years would have been a good amount of time to like kind of do that. Okay. So I think leaving Teach for America, trying to figure out what's next when you're not like applying to law school or applying to whatever, right? Like it can be hard to figure out your next career move. So what was your next career move after that? How did you figure that out? Yeah. So I had a few mentors that throughout Georgetown and Teach for America that I kept in touch with, and when I graduated Georgetown, one specific one of, one of my specific mentors who was already like in the tech space told me, and this is like my last semester senior year in college, and it's like he's like, hey, you should learn how to code, and I'm like, what? I'm like, one, I didn't even know what that meant. Like, I had no idea because even at Georgetown, it's very specific. At least in my experience. I didn't meet one computer science engineer major while I was at Georgetown. None of my friends were, and none yeah. of my friends were. It was like all very like political science heavy. A lot of business school students or just like in general, some kind of generalization major. And so when he told me, oh, you should learn how to code, I'm like, I don't even know, like, what does that mean? And he told me like, oh, you know, things with computers and whatever, you write a lot of it, you learn that, which I'm like, okay, great. I just, I'm just graduating from Georgetown. So like in my head, I'm like, I can do anything. Like, I, why do I need to learn this specific skill to learn how to code? So I was very confused. Like, yeah, you, you probably need to go back to a, a boot camp since you didn't take any classes at undergrad. I'm like, well, what's a boot camp? And he explained it to me. And I'm just like, at the time, it's a very new concept and it was still growing. And I was just like, shut it down real quick. I'm like, there's no way I, I'm just, about to graduate from Georgia, I'm going to go back to some boot camp to learn how to code, <laughs> whatever that meant. I still didn't know idea what it meant. And I'm not going to pay, again, like my parents, they had the privilege of I was on scholarship, so I, I wasn't going to ask anyone for money. 
So I'm not going to pay. I think at the time they were around 10,000, maybe. I don't know. They're probably oh, wow. more for boot camp experience. And yeah, so I was like, no, I'm just not going to do that and decided to do the TFA route. But I still kept in touch with that mentor. And when I was making that shift at or teach for America, He's like, oh, he's like, hey, you should probably just get into the tech space. And I'm like, okay, yeah, let me consider that. Let me look into that. So I started researching the tech space in Los Angeles specifically. And we had this thing at the time in 2014 that was like growing um, a sector near the beach called Silicon Beach. Um, oh, yeah. I think I heard yeah. about this. Like some, yeah. like maybe like Snapchat was part of that or something. Yeah, there's just a bunch of tech companies just like moving to Los Angeles, just trying, trying to get, oh, one, it's a great location, but they were just taking over all kinds of offices and, and moving there. Not their HQs, but just offices there. So I went on some website, built. it's called Built in LA, and they have one for every city, like Built in SF, Built in, I'm sure they have one for, for somewhere in Texas and Austin. And I started just like looking at, yeah, pretty much just positions in tech and I was like, okay, where do I fit? I wasn't even thinking about coding at the time, for sure. I know I can't code. Like, I mean, like a software engineer, I'm not even 100% sure what that means. I was trying to find experiences or kind of opportunities that matched my my TFA or there was some kind of relevancy. And yeah. the only ones I really was able to think, like, I, I felt like I, I had some kind of relevant experience were the customer service sales roles. Mm-hmm. And I just started like sending out applications. Again, I had no connections in tech at the time and ended up sending out hundreds of applications. And I already finished Teach for America. So this at this point, I'm already unemployed. I don't have a job. So I'm really looking to like get my foot in the door somewhere. Yeah. And I ended up getting a call from the Honest Company. And at the time, they're a startup. Now they're huge. They're, yeah. They pretty much went public and they're a unicorn and all that. But got into the honest company and they gave me an interview and I was able to to land like my first gig in tech on doing customers pretty much customer service for them you know? and what was that like like landing into that role was it what you expected it to be yes and no so I had no idea what I was getting into again like I, I had no one in that space so I most of the customer service reps that they were hiring were straight out of college. So I had two years of experience already, like as a teacher, and I did Teach for America. So I came out from a very intense experience. And most of the college grads in the, in the customer service department were like the first job out of college and they're excited to be there. But it was, I was on a different, like, I guess you can say coming from a different, like, experience. I knew that I, I wanted to progress, whatever that meant. I knew I wanted to get promoted, however that looked. And I, wanted to keep my options open because I knew that I was taking this position with the intention of, of moving on to a different department. Um, but I didn't know what department that was. So when I got there, I, I did the best as I could. And there was way to, they had like these metric systems to evaluate us. And I did very well in terms of numbers. Mm-hmm. So I was on the verge of transitioning into different departments and I was interviewing internally and they, it, it felt like I, I got in at the wrong time when I was starting to do that process and it was very difficult to actually get like get promoted, which it was pretty easy when I first got there. And it was just, it got to a point where I guess we weren't hitting expectations. Yeah. And so there was a pause of like movement within a company and there was a lot of changes happening. We're starting moving to the more corporate route. And mm-hmm. that's what happened there in terms of like the end of my experience at, at the Honest Company. When I got there, I started figuring things out and I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. I'm just going to work hard and move into a different department. 
the experience was priceless. Like me getting into a startup at the stage it was in Mm -hmm. and seeing everything and how things function. And it was like a very open environment and it wasn't corporate at all. And me seeing the, the tech team, like that was like my first exposure to ever seeing an engineering department ever in my life. And mm-hmm. that kind of sparked the plug. And I was like, okay, great. Now I know that exists too, but I necessarily didn't pay too much attention at the time to it. Okay. So you were in tech for a while. So you left the honest company and I'm assuming you, you went to some different places. Yeah. Different startups. I, I left the honest company. Then I ended up joining a very smart startup that was more sales role than customer service when I first joined. Didn't go. I ended up leaving like actually after a few months. I would say the founder was very difficult to work with. And I, I just come in from the honest company and it had a the honest company and had a very great like and welcoming culture. So I was used to that. So when I shifted over to this smaller startup, I, I just felt like, okay, this is definitely not where I want to be. So then that ended after a few months and I started looking into other kind of sales customer service roles but i was trying to move away from customer service more than anything because i was there was a little bit more money in sales so that okay i i just can't keep jumping from positions and pretty much not moving up the ladder in any aspect yeah so that's kind of i felt like i was happening and i ended up landing another gig at another sales like another startup called i think it was called the english company and they didn't have an hq everything was remote this is like before remote was like a big thing but I was doing that for a few, like maybe a year. I was actually working with a lot of engineers in, in this specific role. And that's when I really started looking into code. And at that time as well, my roommate ended up going to boot camp. So his experience was he was an investment banker and ended up making the switch to coding and ended wow. up doing a, a boot camp while I was like at that one specific company, that remote company. So he was here. I saw him all the time for the most part, doing that switch. And I just asked him questions like, how's it going and, and whatnot. And he's like, yeah, just check this out. So he sent me a few links. There's a lot of online resources that you can just check out. And I started with HTML, CSS, and that was like basic stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just started looking into it. I'm like, oh, this seems interesting. It's cool. And still continue with my job. Didn't really like consider it. And yeah, that's how that went. That was like my first experience into to coding. And when I first started dabbling, but didn't like really think about it. I'm like, oh, this is something that I'm going to make a complete switch with. Yeah. So it came back into your world a little bit through your roommate. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So tell us about the moment when you were finally like, okay, I think I want to become a software engineer. Like what was that moment for you? Yeah. I, I feel like I was in, not in denial, but it was to a point where I kept jumping from company to company. And then I finally was like, okay, I'm making this shift to a more technical specific role. I was able to land like a technical support engineer position. And that pretty much combined my previous experience of the customer service, that experience I had in tech, not necessarily the sales anymore. I was actually trying to move away from sales. I realized I just didn't like it, but it did also mesh some technical aspect of it where I I knew this is the route I wanted to go, but it wasn't necessarily coding. There's a lot of tech support engineer roles that don't require you to code. And I ended up joining this great company in, in, in Los Angeles, and they ended up building a platform for like huge entertainment companies to manage their intellectual property. And I was like 
I was pretty much, if you were one of our clients and you had an issue with the platform, technically there was any, something wrong with it, they would email in to, to kind of support and I would get that, essentially take it and start investigating it. So, you know, some situations where some of the issues re- required like looking at code and that's like my, my first exposure where I was actually looking and working with code and obviously I didn't know how to fix it, but I definitely escalated to the engineers and, and to the right individual that could fix it. And there's a lot of documentation in that. And that's when I was like, okay, I, I started looking at the code and I was spending more time actually looking at the code I, I, more than anything. Cause I did have that kind of introduction through my roommate, the HTML, CSS course that I did online it, through a pretty much a, what was the website called? Oh, it's a called, it, people pronounce it different, but it's U-D-E-M-Y.com, oh, yeah. Udemy. Udemy, yeah. Yeah, or Udemy. And I did a like an introduction course on that. So I, I started looking at the code. I, I obviously it was way over my head, but I started putting more attention to it. And I was like, okay, I'm more invested in actually figuring out what this actually means than really documenting this and flushing out this entire ticket and sending out to the right. It got to the point where I'm just like, I care more about what the code actually does than really doing my job. <laughs> it got to a point where I pretty much was getting pushed out. Like it, I, I wasn't invested anymore. I wasn't super excited about it. And they were just kind of like, hey, what's going on? And I didn't want to tell them, I, just, I don't want to work here anymore. But I, I started taking courses, honestly, on the side. And yeah. I was doing that more than anything. That role was like a hybrid role, somewhat remote. When I was working at home, I was doing my own thing and doing my own courses. <laughs> so that definitely affected my performance. So it, so pretty much at, after working there for like about a year, I, I guess you can say it on record, like I, I pretty much got fired. And that was like the first time I've ever something like that has happened. So I was like, oh, wow, like I got to a point where I've gotten fired. No one likes getting fired. That's one. So yeah. when I felt that, I was like, okay. This is, it's long time coming because I kept jumping and switching and I wasn't happy. And it got to a point where like the company gave me like a reality check. I'm like, Hey, like you probably shouldn't even be in this space anymore if, yeah. at this point. So that was to me like a wake up call. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, no, let's get it together. Like you pretty much got fired because you were doing other things. And what was <laughs> I doing? I'm trying to learn how to code, learn how to code. Not really. I didn't know what I was doing, yeah. but that's what I was focusing my time on. So then that's when I was like, okay, great. Like I have a roommate. He, my, he was no longer my roommate. He ended up moving to, to Orange County, but he did a boot camp. I reached out to him like, Hey, like, would you recommend yours? And, and if not, like, which other ones would you do if you can go do it get over again? And I just started doing my research to figure out what was next for me after that. Yeah. That's so funny to hear you say that because you're such a like high achieving, ambitious person. And it's because you were not invested at all in this job that you got to this point, right? Where they were like, you don't need to be here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so I, I feel like that was definitely the pivot point where it gave me that reality check where I'm like, okay, like, you need to stop jumping around from job to job just because like I, I went to a great school, I could get in the door and whatnot, have some experience inside. They like that. In the long run, it's just like, this is not the position you want to be in. So mm-hmm. like it, it had, you need to definitely figure things out. And that was, that was definitely getting fired. <laughs> more than anything. Yeah. Did you like save a lot of money to try to, to be able to do this on the side? Like, uh, yeah, that's the reason why I didn't do it because I didn't, um, 
I, I, I was saving, but I, not where I can take like a few years off and, and learn how to code right. or a few months, whatever they, they market it as. But I was taking many of the jobs because I needed a job, right? Like I didn't, my parents didn't have money and they still didn't. And I, if anything, I was supporting them, me and my siblings. That was the main reason why I ended up taking jobs that I really shouldn't have. And yeah, I didn't have that luxury to take time off. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So tell us what program did you choose? How did that go? And how does that led you to what you're doing now? Yeah. So when I was researching boot camps, I was like, okay, great. So my, my roommate, I'm going to one of them. He said it was good. It's a good experience, but he would recommend looking at other ones. And I had another friend who ended up doing a boot camp as well, but he was a little different in, in terms of his experience. He actually was a computer science major undergrad. So he had a lot more exposure to the space and it was probably uh, a smoother transition for him. I Googled and read a bunch of reviews and ended up looking at like three. I forget which the three were, but Hacked Reactor was one of the top. They described it as the Harvard of, of boot camps. And I was like, okay, great. It seems like at the time, I'm sure this changed, that Hacked Reactor is the best one. So mm-hmm. if I'm going to make this switch, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to go to the best one. So I read like the interview process to get into Hack Director. It's very difficult. So I was pretty scared about that. I was like, okay, like first I need to one prepare, you know, how to get in, figure out how to get in and, and what their process was. So they had a lot of uh, free resources online that you can take, you can pay or you can take for free. At this point, I'm like, I don't want to pay for anything at this point. Like I haven't even started the, the bootcamp and I'm taking their free online resources. It's courses, very thought out. And I started doing that and I take maybe, so pretty much I got fired in like January, 2019. So I started looking to hack reactor a few months after that, I took some time off. And then I started looking to hack reactor, like somewhere in 2019. Mm-hmm. And I started doing the review and the free online course at my pace and kind of figure out and really understand what was going on with code. And it took me longer than I expected for sure. So it probably took me like six months of prepping to to really go through the entire material that they had. And I also started taking more Udemy courses that were related and, and recommended to prepare yourself that I read online somewhere. So I started doing that. And at the time I was like, okay, I'm not working. I don't have the luxury to just not work. So I ended up getting certified to become a bartender. So I started bartending at night. No <laughs> um, way. Was, yeah. I, a lot of people don't know about that, but I ended up bartending um, for a significant amount of time. So I could at least pay rent and you know, I go into huge debt. So started doing that and I started like pretty much coding throughout the day as much as I could. And I was like, okay, great. I'm getting better at this. So I got a little bit of confidence, right? Like maybe after mm-hmm. three, maybe three, four months, I was like, cool. All right. And most of the people... And the boot camp space, they always market it as like, oh, th- three to four months. Like, yeah, that's what I've seen. Yeah. So I'm like, in my head, I'm like, okay, cool. It's been three to four months. Like I haven't gone to boot camp, but I've done my work. So I'm like, let me try it out and apply to, to positions and see like where I stand, which was a huge mistake. <laughs> but, but that's what I ended up doing. So be- even this is before I even went to boot camp. So you I applied mar- to positions with... For- yeah, I did. And I marketed myself as a software engineer and whatnot. Oh and I was a self-study, self-taught software engineer. And I just threw my resume out there. And I was getting traction from like huge companies. 
So I was like, okay, I'm assuming it's because of my startup experience. And then Georgetown has nothing to do with the two. And yeah, I got some interviews and went in the interviews and I was completely like, it was horrible. It was, I it was, was a slaughterhouse. Oh yeah. Like I had no business. Like I was wasting everybody's time. <laughs> I love the audacity though. Like that's commendable. Yeah. I mean, just, I just, I had no idea. Again, like I'm just going into it and seeing like how things turn out. I had no one to really tell me like, Hey, like you should probably based on like your experience, go to a boot camp. But yeah, I learned the hard way for sure. Okay. Um, so then you finally signed up, I'm assuming. Yeah, eventually. So I was like, okay, so I ended up not doing well at any of these interviews. So I stopped interviewing. I was like, okay, I'm not the real deal. Like I, I can't teach myself how to code in three or four months. Like doesn't work, at least for me. So I, I didn't want to pay for Hackdrake. Their Hackdrake was pricey. They were well above like 15K and rightfully so because they're, they're the best of the best. And I was like, okay, let me go back to learning the, like completing their entire material again. Let me review it, do it again and try to apply to interview to get in. So when I was doing that, I ended up finding a, I forget where, but basically I was, most of the boot camps like offered some kind of assistance, like financial assistance, kind of scholarship for being on a presented group. So when I was looking at Hack3 Actors, they, they had scholarships for like individuals, for women, to get women into tech. And they had uh, kind of a diversity one specifically for underrepresented groups. So I was looking at that one, but it, it wasn't significant at all. It was like maybe like a few thousand here and there. And I just didn't want to pay. I'm like, I don't have loans. I, I don't want to spend fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars $16,000 for anything. And ended up finding a partnership company called Optimizely that they ended up partnering with Hack Reactor. And specifically how it worked was like, okay, if you get into Hacked Reactor and then you reapply to, once you're in, you apply to our program, which was a different interview process that optimized the handle in conjunction with Hacked Reactor, then we would, and we accept you, then we would pay for your Hacked Reactor experience. Then we will give you an internship when you graduate Hacked Reactor. And if you do well in the internship as a software engineer, then we will give you an offer uh, as a software engineer. Damn. So I thought this was like the perfect opportunity for me. I'm like, this is like, how can you not want to do that? So like, great, I'm going to spend all my time tr trying to like, one, get into Hack React, because that was step number one. Mm -hmm. And then step number two was like, literally learn everything I need to learn about this company to get that. That's essentially, it's a scholarship that they're, they're giving me. And then a job, nothing guaranteed, obviously, but like, it was perfect. Like I, this is the, the opportunity I want. And you had to apply like at a very specific time period. So I was like, great, I have some time. I have like maybe, I think it, at the time I had about three months to prepare to get into Hack Reactor and, and do their application. So I had some time to do it. So that's where I was like, okay, I've done these interviews in the tech space already as software engineer. I'm definitely not ready. So now there's this other opportunity where I can, it's pretty much handed to me to like walk into the tech space and in, in at least the engineering space. I just have to put in the work. So that's what I did for the next three to four months. Wow. That's crazy. I never would have thought that those opportunities would exist where they would actually pay for you to go do this program. I didn't either. They're, they're becoming, obviously, after what happened this past year, they're becoming more, they're, they're definitely growing in, in terms of like opportunities to get into the space. But Optimizely was just ahead of everyone in terms of bringing in diverse candidates. And they actually put, you know, 
the money where their mouth is and invested into bringing candidates. And then finally, the year before I applied, they ended up expanding it to individuals from underrepresented groups as a Latino male, how I qualified. Mm-hmm. So I started realizing, okay, there's three individuals every year. They're going to pick two women and at least one underrepresented group. So I need to be that guy. <laughs> and you were that guy. I was, yeah. And luckily, I, I literally did everything I could to make that happen and ended up studying for the interview at Hack Director. I got in on the first try somehow. I, I think I just put in all I was doing for three months, studying to get into like Hack Like all Director. day, kind of. Yeah, literally. So I applied. I didn't know if I was going to get in, but the deadline for the other application was like the same week. I just put in my application that I was already working for three to four months and ended up finding out that I got into Hack Reactor a week later. I'm like, great. So my application for Optimize actually counts because I got in a few weeks later in maybe uh, October of 2019. I got a call from Optimize like, hey, we want to interview you for this called IOMIT scholarship. So I found out like maybe towards the end of October that I got accepted into both Hack Reactor and I own it. So at that point, I was going to make the move to San Francisco in in December. I see. Okay. And this is like end of 2019, right before COVID hit, which changed everything, I'm sure. Okay. And so tell us about that. Like, so you did your three-month internship in San Francisco and then... You after yeah. for like how long is the program? So it's a high direct start in December, ended in March, so about four, close to four months. And hack director was tough. Like it was no walk in the park. Like the the pace that they go and the amount of material they cover and like the concepts that you try to pick up in those three or four months are like very challenging. So I didn't I knew it was tough, but I didn't know how tough it was gonna be. This is like very on par with like Teach for America experience like very close so it just compacted in three to four months luckily i focused literally all i was doing was coding for three to four months and i did the extra work i was doing like maybe 10 12 hour days and even saturdays too like we had class on saturdays like the only day we technically had off was sundays and then sundays like he spent like reviewing for whatever you really didn't pick up the week before because come monday you just start something completely new mm-hmm. um they have an assessment halfway through Hack Reactor, which kind of like indicates whether or not you're on track to, to finish the program and not everyone passes. Mm-hmm. So I was very nervous about that and just focused on that. So I made sure I passed it and I did well enough to move on and uh, ended up graduating in March. Yeah, the first week of March. So that was... That was the week before everything like imploded. Yeah. So San Francisco shut down before LA. So when San Francisco shut down, I knew things were going to get serious. I was going to come to back home to LA like a weekend right before I started the internship. So then we got, I got an email from Optimize like, hey, we're still going to do, you're still expected to do the internship. I'm like, great. Okay. It hasn't been rescinded, but everything's going to be remote. No one's coming into the office to further notice. And I'm like, okay, I'm going back to LA, then I'm just going to stay in LA mm-hmm. um, until I can go back up. So that's exactly what happened. And I never actually went back up to San Francisco. <laughs> I'm really so, impressed that you did all of these things. Like, I feel like you had to jump through so many hoops to get to that point where you were like yeah. done. And like you didn't have to take out a loan or something to pay for this experience. Correct. Yeah. And they, the, I forgot to mention the, the scholarship also. Not only did they pay for Hack Reactor, they also paid 
they give you a stipend, like a monthly stipend, which was like great. Um, wow. And then I had friends in San Francisco that were able to house me for free. So like the, I was really like privileged to be in that experience and, and have the friends that I had and have this opportunity with I own it for sure. Yeah, you've got an angel out there looking out for you. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Very cool. So now tell us about what you're doing today. So I know you're at Microsoft. What does it mean yeah. to be a software engineer apprentice? Like, what does that mean? Yeah, just to backtrack with Optimize, I ended up working on the data infrastructure team, working on pretty much I did a, a productive project to give them like insight into how they handle the kind of export features. It was a great experience. I had a great manager. I had a great team. And I was everything was done remotely, which mm-hmm. was, I was like, at the time, was like, I don't want to do my first engineering gig remotely. Yeah. I was more face-to-face. And then being Teach for America, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to do this remotely. Like, I need a, I need that face-to-face interaction. <laughs> I still did well. It, it had a great experience. And optimizely because of COVID, ended up going through layoffs. And then they ended up getting bought out a few months later. So that whole plan they kind of mentioned earlier where you do the internship and if you do well you get a full-time offer didn't pan out for me because of covid yeah and that's when i started shifting and i was like okay and they told me this very early on they're like we don't know how how it's gonna look i'm like okay great so at least i have an idea that i won't be employed anymore come sometime in june of 2020 during the midst of covid so that's when i started interview prepping and interview prepping is a whole different beast. Like this is something that Hack Reactor tries to like give you like an opportunity or exposure to, to practice, but there just isn't enough time. And the thing about the engineering space is that they'll they interview you on something like unrelated to like probably your day to day, which sucks because it's a huge disadvantage for a lot of individuals trying to get into the space because they'll grow you on algorithms and data structures and give you this very difficult problem to solve, but you probably won't ever have to do it like on a daily basis. So it's like Um, the hardest possible problems they want you to solve, even though the day-to-day doesn't look like that. Yeah. In a sense, that's how the field is, unfortunately. So I needed to really focus. And I knew that was one of my weakest parts coming out of Hack Reactor was like, that interview prepping algorithm data structure component of it was my weakest for sure. I was like, I have no experience to it. And yeah, so like that I knew I needed to shift back to learn how to interview prep and, and do that. So I started taking courses until I felt comfortable enough where I can start applying to, to other uh, positions. So I did that for the entire summer. I moved back to LA. So I was like living back in at my mom's. Like I was like, oh my God, I did not expect this. And then I ended up subleasing my apartment in Los Angeles. So I couldn't even come back to like my apartment, even if I wanted to, (laughs) because this whole COVID situation, yeah, it was a mess. And I was like, okay, great, whatever. Let me just focus on learning how to interview as best as I can. Most of the positions were all non-existing, especially entry level, which is like what I was looking for. They call them junior engineer roles. And literally there were were like close to none. And I at least had like a few individuals from Optimizely who referred me to a few and I got my foot in the door. I didn't do the interview and I would get like scratched or eliminated for the smallest like error because they had so many applicants, like oh, wow. ridiculous amount, overwhelming. Because I remember I got the rejection email after like that first coding challenge. I'm like, hey, is there any specific feedback? Like, what did I do wrong? But it's like, oh yeah, you just had this unnecessary extra line of code. And because we have like overwhelming, like ridiculous amount of applicants we had to cut down the list i'm like wow oh my god like one line of code could like (laughs) yeah it was like having a typo in like your essay like okay you didn't need this oh my god 
So that's uh, the situation I was in. And I was like, okay, now I, I really have to like, I can't really can't make any mistakes. And I'm coming from like a non-traditional path. Like I'm still learning. So I just felt like taking consideration what was going on and that the competition that I was probably up against, which probably overall CS majors that were looking for entry level jobs as well. Like probably like a, a general, like normal entry level junior role. It's going to be very difficult for me to land. Yeah, I didn't have much success. And then finally, Microsoft was one of the first companies that started opening up more positions when everyone realized like things were going to be remote for the, at least for until further notice. And they felt comfortable enough to open up their application portals and ended up applying to Microsoft in, I forget, maybe September at some point. So I applied, ended up getting an interview did well in the interviews of both rounds and then ended up getting an offer for Leap to start. It's called Microsoft Leap. And I started in pretty much end of November, beginning of December, um, that first cohort. And their first cohort was only 13 people. And there was well over like a thousand applicants over. Like even, I don't even know oh how many thousand. I forget what it was, but they selected only 13 of us. Oh my God. Again, another hoop. Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't know how they select me. It was crazy. So getting into this Microsoft program, are they like supporting your transition to become a software engineer? How long is yeah. it? Yeah. So the apprenticeships are strictly tailored to individuals from non-traditional backgrounds or for individuals who've taken like specifically a few years off for whatever reason and are trying to come back into the space. Uh, and like some of the requirements, are, you can't have a CS degree. You have to like at least graduate from a boot camp. I think Microsoft is not mandatory. You have to graduate from boot camp. You can be self-taught, but then again, like you have to pass like their technical interview process, which is like two rounds. And uh, I forget the other requirements, but basically the program is focused on bringing in non-traditional talent into tech, specifically the engineering space. And then they have different tracks too. They have a software engineering track. They have a program manager track and a few others. I forget. And again, like all of the individuals who are on those tracks um, are just underrepresented in the space, probably non-traditional background, which means like they didn't have a CS degree in some way. I, I think that's what, one of the reasons why I got the interview was because I, I fit into kind of what they were looking for. Yeah. And I did well enough to to pass their, their uh, technical rounds. You know? Yeah. I appreciate you talking about like how hard it is to get these jobs from a non-traditional like route because I feel like these uh, boot camps often make it seem like this is very doable when it sounds like based on your experience it was actually very competitive very difficult because you are competing with like computer science majors from like these top schools would you tell people like oh yeah you should do it there's a high chance you can break in or are you like no it's actually pretty hard to break in from a non-traditional route yeah, it's everything's hard, honestly. When it's trying to you're trying to make a switch, just the tech space you have to maneuver differently, especially the engineering space. Everything's different. I would say, like it depends, right? Like my experience at Hack Reactor, like the individuals that I was there, that were like they were great people. A lot of them were CS majors and were a Hack Reactor, so they were doing Hack Reactor for like the non-technical component of it, like the behavioral questions, like all that. They just wanted it to be able to like be a well-rounded engineer and the technical aspect for them was like a walk in the park like it was it wasn't a challenge at all me on the other hand who um 
like didn't write a line of code until like maybe a few years ago, like two, three years ago, and I'm completely making the switch. And if you're in that boat like me and you're like, I would say like, yeah, I work hard, but I still have to work double as hard to like produce the same results as someone who's like been doing this for years. And then that, that pretty much goes for everything and what I've been doing, everything in my life. And I feel like, yeah, like. I'm like, I feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm special in some senses and I've been privileged enough to like make it out and go to great schools and get selected to great program. But I'm getting, but also I'm not that special. Like the only reason like I've gone into these places because I, I put in the work and I've worked really hard to get where I'm at. And yeah. if you're in that space where you work hard and you've noticed that you have to work double as hard to produce the same results as someone else in the same space, um, and you're making the, the switch into tech, um, one, figure out, like, you should definitely know what you're getting into. Like, never just do a boot camp. Because I know there's some boot camps, and a lot of individuals out there are, like, end up going to boot camping and can't land a gig. And most of those situations are because they're, for my situation, like, never written a line of code in, in their life. And then next thing, they jump on the boat, and they're like, okay, I want to learn how to code. And then ended up just applying to the boot camp, but there isn't any like prep. They just like accept them and they're like, okay, cool. So then when you start writing your first line of code, you're already in the boot camp, but the pace they move is way too fast for you to like really for things to stick, at least in my experience. And a lot of individuals do that route where they don't properly prepare and make sure they know what exactly what they're getting into, end up having a very difficult time making that jump from the boot camp to like a full-time role because it was so it just wasn't like properly planned and you just haven't put enough time to really like hone your skills then that's what i've noticed in the boot camp space so i would definitely like make sure that if you're gonna make the switch and you have no coding experience whatsoever like i did that you speak to individuals already in this in the space to, to make sure that you're doing the right things to prepare yourself to get into the boot camp that you want to go to and you do well because at the boot camp like you, you you definitely should be learning a lot but you should also be hopefully like instilling like the foundation and and figuring out like okay this is what these concepts mean this is what it is i'm just like seeing it a different like scenario x y and z and then at that point, you're you're pretty well prepared to do the independent portion of it, which is a lot of prep. It's still, it's still going to take you, depending on your experience, how much prep and interview prep you have to do to actually do well in the interviews. And then you can apply. So it's, yeah, I, I would recommend to, to talk to individuals already in the space that have already been like in similar backgrounds before that. And I was lucky enough that hack reactor did that for me they forced me right they're like hey we have a, a very difficult interview process here's this free material like look into it here are additional resources these are additional courses you can take make sure you know this and i was like great and then after the experience where i had these interviews with these tech companies and marketed myself as a software engineer and then going to those interviews and being exposed like that scared me like for sure so i was like you know what, like, I never want to feel like that ever in my life. So when people are telling me, like, this is the material, this is the, these are the resources you need to look into, like, make sure you know it, yeah. I for sure will know, like, okay, let me click on all these and make sure that I know exactly what's going on. Because I never want to feel 
or be in that position that I was when I was applying to these tech companies and just being exposed. Mm-hmm. Um, that it just felt bad, like horrible. It's a horrible experience. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's amazing. Big congrats, big time, Noel. I feel like you've been on this whole crazy journey, like just so many different career paths, and you ended up finding something that was really hard, but like you're making your way through. And so thanks for like setting that example for like Latinos, like people of color who are also interested in doing this path. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. Thank you for allowing me to tell my story. And the only thing else I want to add is like for anyone else who's like interested in making that switch after what happened this past year with Black Lives Matter, um, companies are really like what Optimized was doing before, you know, Black Lives Matters was like really putting out opportunities and making sure like they're actually supporting individuals from non-traditional backgrounds to break into tech. There's even more opportunities now than there was before. You just have to look for them or they can reach out to me. Welcome to connect with anyone who's, who's interested about making the switch. Hey, are you thinking about changing careers? Then you need to head over to my website, ecmpodcast.com and sign up to get your free 20-page guide that I wrote with you in mind. I wrote this guide to help you change careers and get really clear on what it is that you want to do next. Career clarity is key to a career transition journey. All right, can't wait to hear what you think about it. Have a great week.